everybody. Good to be back with you guys. Missed you last week. We missed you. It was interesting. Appreciate uh, the, the short discussion about <laughs> what it would be like to drive a 31-foot house down a mountain. <laughs> uh, That's on, what happened. On, in, uh, yeah. On a future show, I'll tell you all about it. Mike Shope with Adam Crowers from the Deep End. Also, of course, Matt Schauf and Jared Smola, the Draft Sharks Roundtable, again with you today. We are very close to the regular season, so Jared and I were talking walking in. This is, I mean, especially for you, you've been in it for so long. Uh, all your friends, people you didn't even, you're not even in touch with anymore are texting, hey, just give me a couple of names. <laughs> That's right. uh, and today's episode will be about, you know, players mm-hmm. that we want in our drafts. I mean, must have. It, what about the concept there? Like, uh, Matt, I mean, must have. How seriously do you want to sort of use that term or think of that term? It's evolved for me over the years, and it's evolved as I've been drafting more teams in different formats. So there's, I want to start off today by saying nobody is a must-have for me, and I think that is probably the biggest mistake that you can make in any draft is when you head in saying, I've got to have this guy, because then – if, you know, if it's a running back who's normally going late in round two and all of a sudden running backs get pushed up in this draft and you have to take him at the end of round one if you want him, then that's a mistake. You know, you don't just chase somebody wherever they're going to have to get them. So for me, a must have is relative to value. And that's, you know, throughout the draft. And Adam, you know, that point times whatever when you're drafting all the time, right? Like you don't want to have all your teams have the same players on them, right? Yeah, it's a it's basically must have at at ADP, you know, for the type of build that, that you're doing. But even that can change. Like, if you don't expect players to drop where they should be going. I, know, I remember did, doing a 3K uh, league for FFPC last year, and it, I had the 12th pick. And I'm like, I'm definitely going running back, running back, because I just want to get a leg up on the guys at the beginning who are taking receivers. So I'm definitely, I must have these two running backs. And then I ended up going to two receivers because the the value was there. So... Um, yeah, there's there's probably like Matt said, there's no thing as a must have player, but must haves at, at AD, ADP, I think is probably more like it. Jared, I mean, much respect. I heard you on Monday say you watched at least half of every NFL preseason game. Very I mean, impressive. That, wasn't that, fun. that is hot. That it is wasn't hot. Fun. <laughs> you come away with some must haves from that uh, particular well, research. Yeah, I mean, what I want to say is to me, um, must-haves and league winners is sort of interchangeable. That's how I think about it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I say this all the time. We spend hundreds of hours every offseason ranking and talking about, like, every fantasy-relevant player. But fantasy leagues very often come down to, did you have these, like, two or three guys, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, did you have Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette? Like, if you had one of those guys, you had a good chance to win. If you had two of them, you probably won your league. So we, we do all this talking, but it's often, you know, did you draft that one or two or three guys that you ended up tilting fantasy leagues? Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into it. Our favorites. We want to thank our host, Rock Vox, recording and production of Rochester, New York, professional podcast, voiceover, and live stream studios and production services. Check them out at rockvox.com. These are ordered by ADP. And the first name on the list is a Draft Sharks special, Saquon Barkley. How high would you go, Jared, in the must-have, you know, context for Saquon Barkley? Yeah, I've gotten to the point where I'm just taking him in the back half of round one if I'm sitting there. And, and this is an example of a guy, if you have pick 102 or 103, you're not going to get Saquon unless you're you know going to take him over Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup, which I even would not do. But if I'm sitting at 108 or 109, I'm just taking him there at this point because there's no better than a 50-50 chance he gets back to me. Um, you know, but with Saquon for me, it starts with volume, and you know that 
is the trump card in fantasy football, and I think Saquon Barkley is you know among the five or six running backs that are going to dominate their backfield in both carries and targets. It's what you know, Matt Breda, Gary Brightwell, Antonio <laughs> Williams. I know uh, Adam's a big Antonio Williams guy, but <laughs> Stan. Yes, <laughs> I mean you know Where's Saquon. Saquon went healthy is going <laughs> to rack up the touches. That's huge. You know he's he was an elite prospect. You know we can laugh now. He was the second overall pick of his draft, which you know he, even at that point people weren't like it's super crazy. You know guys were like. Oh, you probably shouldn't have gone that high. Well, but. and the criticism at that point specifically was, why did they take him instead of Sam Darnold? That, that, that <laughs> yeah, one's worked, that worked out, out so far. Yeah. Um, you know, Saquon's still just 25 years old. Um, entering year five, our, the aging curves we looked into for our dynasty rankings this offseason say that running backs still produce 97% of peak production in year five. So I'm not worried about you know Saquon's age. Not worried about the health. I mean, he's two years removed from the ACL now. The ankle injury last year was totally fluky. That's behind him. I like the coaching upgrade he's getting with Brian Dable. I think, you know, we've heard this in training camp. He's going to do a better job getting Saquon the ball out in space where he's at his best. Even the O-line, I think, is going to be a bit better. We had Dan Schneier on our podcast, and he was, you know, basically confirmed that the the run blocking has been better in camp uh, than it has been the past few years. So everything, to me, is coming together for Saquon. To me... He should be the seventh player off the board. I think Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Eckler. To me, Saquon Barkley is you know the number seven player in fantasy drafts. That was the most attractive thing about Saquon Barkley back when he was going early round three, mm-hmm. then late round two, was that this is where he belonged all along. So, you know, there have been lots of players through the years where as we get closer to draft day or, or closer to the regular season, they climb. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I got some of you. I'm not chasing you. I'm chasing Saquon Barkley to just the same range as you. I think once we get into the end of round one, Stefan Diggs might be the only guy that I'm taking ahead of Barkley. And in that case, it's because the other running backs that are likely there, I'm okay with getting whichever one gets back to me around that turn early in round two. Adam goes to Kentucky. The running line this year has been, I'm never getting Saquon Barkley. Adam is always there to say, I'm never getting Saquon Barkley. The first morning you're in Kentucky, signing up, registering for one of these drafts out there. Sends me a picture of a guy wearing a deep end shirt with the, with the line, I'm never getting Saquon Barkley. <laughs> <That's right>. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, no, Saquon Barkley's been been good to us so, so far uh, in the third round, second round, but now we got to take him in the first, and I'm fine with it, like Jared said. Uh, he's my RB4, and I'm willing to take him anywhere after Eckler. And even like if I'm not getting the shares that I want of him, I'll take him over Eckler just just to, just to have him. But his, his upside is the number one running back off the board. I mean, even narrative streaks, playing for for, for a contract, um, and and he's you know people are doubting him coming off the injury. Even the interviews that you've seen him have recently, he's just he's ready. And as long as he doesn't get some unlucky injury like he had last year, I think he's going to absolutely explode. I think the risk is that the offense stinks, stinks completely. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of running backs, that would be a big risk. For Barkley, though. He can benefit from this receiver core being weak. Yeah. Um, he's he's and the way that he's going to be used, I think, is just kind of situation proof. If they're losing a lot, he's going to catch a lot of passes. If they are surprisingly more competitive, then he's obviously going to be getting carries. If the offense stinks, he's just Najee Harris, right? And he, I think we can even agree <laughs> yeah, Harris is right. worth a second round pick. So I just don't think the floor. And he's is, you a better know, Najee low. Harris. Yeah. 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 More talented. Did you guys know the Giants have not been above 500 since 2016? <laughs> what? What? I did. I did know that. <laughs> Mike, do you know who the last president was? Who was the last time that they were above 500? I do. It's it's even it's it's so good. 22 and 59 is their record since then. 22 and 59. Ouch. Eagles fans can hear that over and over again. By the way, that's oh, right. Yeah. 
Uh, Jimmy Johnson, right, was the guy you met with the shirt? Yes, shirt? Jimmy Johnson. Shout out to him. Wonderful. Nice hair. All right. I might have to answer to Matt on James Conner for passing him in the main event. Oof. You do? Monday, you do. Monday night. You it's do. Even in late in the third round. Yeah. Um, I would have taken I, him at that 11 spot. Yeah. And that would have even been value, probably. Or 4-2. I passed on him at 4-2. Yeah. Yeah, I started getting angry reading through that. I, got <laughs> I don't blame you, I guess. <laughs> he is next on the list. And so th- this is a good example of must-have. I'm not chasing James Conner to get him. He's must-have for me because he is always in round three. And often, even late in round three, he's going beyond RB15. Last year, James Conner finished 14th among all running backs in total opportunities. That's carries plus targets. He was 18th in opportunities per game. That was with Chase Edmonds around. That was not spending a whole season as Arizona's lead back. Now he is. They paid him this offseason. They let Chase Edmonds go. We already saw James Conner work like the lead back when Chase Edmonds went down last year. I don't think that he gets quite that level of workload without Chase Edmonds, but I also don't think that any combination of Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams is anything close to what Chase Edmonds was. So clearly between the money and what's still around, Arizona wants to give James Conner the ball a lot. He is going behind Javante Williams, whose big question is workload. He's going behind Nick Chubb, who will catch nowhere near the passes and probably won't match James Conner in carries. He's going behind Leonard Fournette, who is a bigger injury risk. Uh, he's going slightly ahead of Zeke Elliott, Travis Etienne, David Montgomery by our current ADP. It depends on where you're looking to see exactly where these guys go. But James Conner is younger than Zeke Elliott. He's probably behind a better O-line than Zeke Elliott has at this point. Doesn't have Tony Pollard as competition. He's a better bet for touches on a regular basis than Travis Etienne. He's, I mean, James Conner, I'll give you maybe not the most exciting player. He's more exciting than David Montgomery. Like he's at least at the least he's David Montgomery in a better offense that has showed us it likes to lean toward the running game. So I think that the only thing that people are that that's holding people back is oh, the last time I trusted James Conner, right. he got hurt. Okay, sorry. I mean, I'm I'm sorry you've been hurt. Try to get over it. <laughs> now you're taking him in round three. So even if he hurts you again, he's not hurting you as much as he did when he was a stealer. And then the final point, like we've seen this guy finish among the top six PPR running backs twice in the past four years. So if he doesn't get hurt, I don't even have to say this could happen. I can say this did happen. So there's absolutely no reason that James Conner should be going where he is. He is like he and Dalvin Cook are the two guys in the league where I feel like it, it does it is reasonable to point to injuries, and and that was probably what spoke to me the, the yeah. other night is you know once in the, in the big money drafts I get to James Conner and you know I've been drafting him as much as most people but um, I looked away because yeah. the injury history on them on on him looking at draft sharks try to give you a sort of a stat on that. Yeah, I got it uh, pulled up right here, good, Mike. I mean, good. if you if you trust the injury guide, and I think you should, um, you know, we have DeAndre Swift, Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, all his bigger injury risks. Okay. Now, Connor's still an injury risk. I mean, we have an 83% chance to get hurt, but all these running backs are. Um, to me, the only argument against Connor is just the quality of wide receivers that are available in that same range of drafts. Yeah, same same here. I mean, if you start running back, running back, which 
I don't know. I probably you probably shouldn't because then you're 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 exposing yourself to much more injuries. But if you start running back, running back, you're probably going to want to take receiver there, whether James Conner's there or not. Um, but you can all, but like Matt said, he's going so late in the third and and late in drafts that you can plan a, a attack around him where you can go right. receiver, receiver, or receiver elite tight end, or even running back receiver, and then come back and get and get Conner. So there, I I like Conner because he is good for all these different builds that, that, that you want to do in, in drafts because the receivers in the fourth round are sweet. The receivers in the fifth round are sweet. So you can still get yourself a couple good receivers and have James, James Conner and another good, good running back. So yeah, I agree with what all you guys are saying. I know the injury risk thing because he has burned people in, in, in the past, but, um, but I have a couple late round picks in these high stakes leagues coming up. Um, and I'm definitely going to going to have a couple of builds where I'm targeting Conner in, in the late third. Is is the ADP slipping a little? I mean, in the main event, Monday night, 4-6, yeah. last night in mine, 4-4. Four, four. Insane. Why, why would that be? What is like the specific, is there a specific reason? Other guys moving up, or, or, is that moving him down, or is there a reason for it? I think it's what, what what Matt said. People just, they've they've been burned by him before, and he's not a sexy pick. Like, he's not a guy that's going to have these flashy highlights and all that that, that type of stuff. So I think I think that's, that, that's really it, and there's certainly value um, to, to, to be had mm-hmm. there. And, you know, He's not going to be your only running back. Like as long as he doesn't like tear his ACL, he's going to play most of most of the games. And you know everyone's going to have running backs to get hurt. Like you can't expect a perfect season out of out of every player. If you need James Conner to get sexier, just go find a shirtless pick of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on, on a per game basis, I think he's going to be similar to the Leonard Fournette, the Aaron Jones, the Alvin Kamara, even the DeAndre Swift. I know right. people pissed if I say that because a lot of people love Swift, but I, you know, I, so I think the fact that he's going. Around to two rounds after those guys, you know, the injury risk is sort of baked into the price tag. I must have thought I had more of them than I do. I'm looking at my FFPC <laughs> portfolio, and I see Matt's name as often as I see my own <laughs> <laughs> from a, the football guys' potathon last week. Yeah, uh, you you ended up with James Conner there. No oh, surprise yeah. if you're paying attention. All right, sticking with the Cardinals, Jared yeah. Kyler Murray. Are we all kind of really into Kyler Murray? Yes. I think Matt's the low guy, so maybe he can rebut I'm not, this. I'm not but against yeah. him, though. Yeah, I mean, so for me, it starts with a philosophical thing. Like, I want an elite quarterback. I talked about that on the, uh, you know, the Perfect Draft podcast. I just think the quarterback landscape has changed over the past, you know, five or so years. And we just have this these handful of guys who are both elite runners and really good passers. Um, and, you know, Murray, I think, is one of those guys. You know, we know about the rushing production. Only Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen have scored more rushing fantasy points among quarterbacks over the past three seasons. But Murray has also developed into, you know, one of the league's best passers. Last year, he was top eight in completion rate, adjusted completion rate, yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, PFF passing grade, top eight in all those marks. Um I love the Marquise Brown edition. I think it gives Murray the best deep threat he's had as a pro. We know about the college connection between those two guys. Murray was Murray was pumped when they traded for Marquise Brown. He's going to get DeAndre Hopkins back for the final two-thirds of the season. Um, I know Adam's going to love this, too, the playoff schedule. Adam oh, loves talking so about playoff beautiful. schedules. So, you know, if you, if, you're, if you make it there with Murray, I think he can be someone who, you know, wins championships. He goes at Denver, should be a shootout as long as the weather holds up. Home for Tampa Bay, shootout in climate-controlled conditions, and then at Atlanta, you know, bad defense in the Dome. So good good uh, playoff schedule for Murray. And the last reason I love him, the price tag. He goes in round like six or seven. You know, it, I just think the opportunity cost is not that high there. If you want Josh Allen, you have to take him over, you know, DJ Moore or James Conner. If you want right. even like Justin Herbert, you got to take him over Allen Robinson, Jalen Waddle, those quality wide receivers. But – with Murray in round six or seven, like to me, the wide receiver quality has dropped off at that point. 
running backs are all kind of the same for the next few rounds. So Murray is, you know, clearly, I think, my top target in that round six, seven range. Yeah, I think the only way that Jared and I differ is Kyler Murray is a bit more of a specific target for Jared, whereas he's one of the I'll take whichever of the top six quarterbacks get to this point. That's fair. Adam? Yeah, I love I love Kyler Murray. He's my personal QB one. I think he has the best chance out of all of the quarterbacks to finish with like five thousand yards passing and a thousand yards rushing. <laughs> Lots of ta- I mean, tons of talent around around him. Um, great playoff schedule. Um, and if he wants to play a little Call of Duty, AK Slickster is my name on <laughs> on Call of Duty. Look, 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 look me up. We'll play. We'll play. We'll have a great time. But Ky- yeah, Kyler Murray, big fan of the show. He's a huge fan of the show. So. Um, and, and you can get him late. He's that he's that one quarterback with like the elite upside that's been f- that falls the most out of all the other ones. I've got him in like the eighth round mm-hmm. of main event drafts um, because a lot of people are down on him. And you can pair him up with Hopkins. You can pair him up with. He's easy to to, to stack, you know. So uh, I just I love everything about it. Let me just say the one thing where I want to pull back the reins on Kyler Murray is because you said the a thousand yards rushing. I know that's <laughs> you know the the wildest dreams. Everything goes right, but. I think he's much more of a 500 yard guy because last year he lost. Woo! Last year he <laughs> lost two carries per game off of the previous year's number, and last year's number was much closer to his rookie year number. So I think he's more of a six carry a game guy than an eight plus carry a game guy, which he was yeah. in between that year that he had 11 rushing touchdowns and over 800 yards. I think if that's what you're looking for from him, that you're going to be disappointed. But if you expect more like the maybe 500 yards, maybe four or five touchdowns, which is still good. And, you know, I still, I absolutely agree with the overall upside to lead the position, but I wouldn't bet on rushing numbers like 2020. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think 500 yards is a good baseline projection, but I think he's capable of getting close to a thousand. I think he's that good of a runner. I I think if if Arizona lets him do that, I just don't think that's in the, I don't think that's in the plans for either of them this year. I think if he gets that many runs, it's because the O-line sucks this year and that's not going to be a good situation. He also, you know, he also, despite being a smaller guy they use him a ton around the goal line you know i think behind yeah. behind josh allen murray you know led quarterbacks and you know carries inside the 10 carries inside the five last year i was to bring up that point too you can stack guys like murray with their running back like james connor like you can go get connor in the fourth murray in the seventh and now you're going to get every rushing touchdown basically from from that team so um those those are kind of sneaky snacks you sneaky stacks you can do too sneaky snacks sneaky are snacks. things that we like someone's to, hungry delicious. Yeah, yeah. We were <laughs> trying to figure out how he had seven yards receiving last year without a catch Ooh, interesting. The game against the Colts late in the season. He's got seven receiving yards without a reception. Was that a reception. pass that, that he caught? pass and he caught and ran? Does that count as a catch? I don't, I don't it know. should. We're going to go with that. Uh, yeah, no, no, no one else threw a pass. We're going to say, we're gonna say it was a Kamoko Ture batted pass <laughs> that he grabbed and ran for I, seven yards. Batted pass? He's only 5'6". I can't imagine him getting a batted pass. <laughs> it is written. Okay. Jerry Judy, Adam. Mm. Interesting guy to talk about. I don't think we've really done a lot of talking about Jerry Judy over the course of the year. I mean, Sutton has been more front and center, I would yeah. say, post the Russell Wilson trade. But um, Judy is a must-have for you. Yeah, I think it's a mistake to put Sutton up as high uh, as he's been going. And Judy, you know, Judy's a must-have when all these guys take on my favorite players. <laughs> so I have to I have to say, say somebody. But also, sometimes you don't realize that they're a must-have until you're drafting. You're like, oh, man, I keep taking this guy. He keeps He's, he's always there. I was getting him over the weekend in like the— late fifth round. So Judy is a guy that I think he is, I think the ADP really should be swapped on Sutton and Judy. Uh, Judy has been a five-star prospect his whole, his, his whole life came out. He was a top 20 draft pick. You know, he had the, he was about to break out last year and he had a high ankle sprain, which is like the, one of the worst injuries you can absolutely get. 
And, you know, but before that, he was on pace for like 180 receptions and like 2,500 <laughs> yards uh, before before he had the eye ankle sprain. But in the week one, in week, week one, week one in, 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 in the third quarter. But when know, the Giants <laughs> lost to fall below 500. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, again. But then, you know, he, he comes back and again, you can't you can't judge a player based off coming off of high, high ankle sprain. But Sutton was irrelevant when Judy was was there. Now, Sutton was coming off his own injury from the year before, too. But. I just think that their ADP sh- should be switched. I think Russell Wilson c- comes in there and makes him so much better. I mean, he hasn't had a quarterback since he came in into the league. And he can be the Tyler Lockett to, to Russell Wilson, but he's better than, than than Tyler Lockett. So I just think Judy has major upside there. And Sutton is the type of receiver where I know we're not talking about Sutton, but when you have to, if, if Sutton wasn't there, Judy would be going much, much higher. Sutton's a guy that lives off of jumping 10 feet in the air and landing on his head. To catch, to catch footballs. I mean, people were posting clips of Sutton wide receiver one this year, and it's him like jumping up and landing on his collarbone. Like, we don't want like there's a chance Sutton doesn't get get seriously hurt with the way he plays. Think of Kenny Galladay. Think of all those guys that that Mike rely Williams. on that. Mike think Williams. of Mike, Mike Williams exactly. So Judy is a route runner. He's going to catch balls and he's going to get out of bounds. Like that's so. There's a chance that he plays more, more games, and if Sutton goes down, Judy's going to absolutely explode. So I know that's a lot of narratives. <laughs> but uh, but I just think where he's going in drafts, mid-fifth, late-fifth, I think he's an absolute smash every time. I think one thing you're forgetting, though, is if you draft Judy, you can pretend it's the end of um, Hey Jude, and you just hit the button, you go, <laughs> Jude, 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 and just ride out. <laughs> yeah, what is just happening? Good time. I mean, you know, with, with the big money on the line, I took Jerry Judy at... 409 is wide receiver 22 in my main event draft the other night. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you, Adam. I, I think you look at the prospect profile, like he was a better prospect than he has flashed over his first couple seasons. Corbin Sutton has flashed too, and he's been inconsistent. Like you said, he kind of disappeared over the second half of last season. I, I will say there's been a you know consistent drumbeat out of Broncos camp that you know Sutton is quote unquote Wilson's favorite receiver. Yep. We'll see how much that means. I, I mean, I wouldn't even be opposed to you know someone saying Sutton should be going ahead of Judy. But they should be close, and Sutton goes around to two rounds ahead of Judy in these drafts. Yeah, I think that the drumbeat has probably been overrated some because, I mean, he, Russell Wilson came out when he was in Seattle and talked about how much fun it was to throw to DK Metcalf. Yep. And then it was still DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett yep. performing right next to each other in the regular season. Tyler Lockett, the more efficient ball catcher. He also had a deeper A dot than DK Metcalf, and that's kind of... The comp here is if you look at those two, you're like, oh, Metcalf's a downfield guy and Lockett's a short range guy. Lockett had a deeper average depth of target than DK Metcalf last year. So you don't have to be against Cortland Sutton to even be in favor of Jerry Judy. And you talked about the prospect profiles. Cortland Sutton was not an amazing prospect. He was a second round pick in a weak wide receiver class who got passed by somebody in his final year of college who was a, a meh transfer. <laughs> so I, Cortland Sutton's always been the guy that I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good, but there's just something about him. So that uh, makes me lean a little bit more Judy's way too. Trey Quinn, right? Yep. Trey Quinn caught more balls than Cortland Sutton oh, yeah. in their final year. Yeah, one boy. year there. <laughs> See? A.K. Slickster. A.K. <laughs> Slickster. Jerry Judy, ADP at Fantasy Mojo, main event, last three days, 50 Juju Smith Schuster, 49. Oh. So you want to be draft you over there want to be drafting yes. in the one spot so you can come down with both of these guys. I mean, I did a main event draft. So we're, or we're moving on to Juju now, so I can just 
roll into that? Please. Oh, mm-hmm. perfect. So I did a main event draft where I went Christian McCaffrey, Pitts. I forget who I went in the third round. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And then the I came, shine of Pitts made it. Drake Drake Wendy. Wendy. Pitts gets you a two twelve. It's one of those. One of those nights. Everything was rolling great. Uh, and then I went Judy and Juju, and it's just because. So Juju has massive upside too. He's already proven that he can do it. Now we can argue that oh, Antonio Brown was there and taking targets away, but he was like twenty one years old and he was killing. Um, so he has that that season under, under his belt. He's got the, the 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 Cooper Cup vibes to me th- this year. Not that he's going to have a historic season, but he's leaving an offense going to a much improved offense, much improved Q- QB, much improved p- play caller, and he's proven that he can do it. But before, so he's a guy that you know. And if Kelsey, Kelsey's thirty three, if Kelsey goes down or if he slows down, Sky Moore's a rookie. MVS has proven to not be that great over his career with a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, there's room for Juju to absolutely smash. So he's another guy that that I've been taking in the fifth round, it's really hard for me to say no. He's one of those guys that I have to start picking other players because I don't want too much of him in case he gets hurt. But Juju has massive upside, um, and you know he's playing on a team that, that that needs to win, that lost. I mean, Tyreek Hill, generational talent. They need, to, they need somewhere else to go with the ball. And if Mahomes can just trust him, I mean, he could absolutely kill AADP here. Yeah, I mean, I've talked against Juju. I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, all right, well, let's let's see what happens. There's you know, the upside yeah. case is there, yes. so yes. I'm waiting to see. Uh, last night in the main event, he slipped to five nine in mine. I'm looking at that because of the next guy we're going to talk about too. So Judy went four eight, then Amon Ra, then Deontay Johnson, and then to us, my partner Mark and I, Rashad Bateman. Mm. And I don't. I think my friend thinks I love him more than I really do. Uh, so I'm looking forward to Matt's ensuing commentary about Bateman to pump me back up. And Bateman's ADP is going, and specific draft position is going to differ quite a bit based on where you're drafting. We talk a lot about the high stakes drafts. Obviously, most of the people listening are not actually doing those drafts, but doing more home leagues. So if I look at the home league ADP on DraftSharks.com right now, Rashad Bateman's 34th among wide receivers, which is the first mark heavily in his favor. You don't have to bet heavily on the guy who is obviously the number one wide receiver in Baltimore. Marquise Brown as that number one wide receiver in Baltimore last year, wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12, depending on the format in expected fantasy points with Lamar Jackson. Now, if you're like expected fantasy points, what does that mean? That's stupid. How about real fantasy points? It's because (laughs) you have to look at what can happen in case a guy gets more efficient, gets luckier on touchdowns, whatever. So in terms of expected fantasy points, which is basically the usage that Marquise Brown is getting, he was the at right at the bottom of wide receiver one territory. So that is that that's automatically the ceiling for Rashad Bateman is at least at that level. Now, He's also going behind Amari Cooper, Hunter Renfro, just ahead of Elijah Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Smith. I think he crushes all those guys in upside. And then the thing that has been kind of late developing in this case is we've all expected Baltimore to go a bit more run-leaning this year, at least a bit more, maybe significantly more. Now we're heading into the season. We don't know if J.K. Dobbins is playing in the opener. We know that Gus Edwards is on the pup. We know that Mike Davis is going to be heavily involved. We know that things are so bad in that backfield that they were like, ooh, Kenyon Drake, he might help <laughs> us. The re- answer here is not who's going to be the lead back for Baltimore. It's um, these Ravens actually might be in better shape for throwing the ball a lot more. So I know I've gotten a little bit more interested in Mark Andrews. He's still going a bit expensive for me to be super interested. But 
The person that this really helps just in terms of upside is Rashad Bateman. And again, if I'm drafting him as a wide receiver three or a wide receiver four in some mm-hmm. cases, if he smashes from there and, you know, delivers like wide receiver two level scoring, I mean, round two level wide receiver scoring ultimately, then that's a difference maker. That's a season making pick. All right. Yeah, no, I win. You in, Mike? I'm in. I'm back. Completely agree. Well, even in, even in the high stakes leagues, he tends to go at the end of that, you know, round three to five wide receiver on you. Know, he's usually wide yeah. receiver 25 to 28 in that range. And in those, there's a chance that you can get Rashad Bateman and Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. in back-to-back rounds. And whew. That's, that's part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, not so much necessarily in the main event, but it, of course in best ball, you know, Judy Wilson, Bateman, Jackson. We already did Kyler Murray and those options for Arizona. Mm-hmm. So uh, Philadelphia applies here. With a couple of their receiving targets, um, I think teams are you know naturally trying to link those players. Yeah. Plus, people forget too. Like he was a rookie last year and he was hurt. Like, go look at his college film. He played at a big time school. He was unbelievable. I mean, one handed catches. He just looked so so good. He looked ready for, for the NFL. And here we are, two years later. People, he's kind of like a post type sleeper. I think he's gonna be great. So we've had a run of receivers here. By the way, you mentioned Kenyon Drake. That was our first show, late round uh, upside picks. Do I get credit? I had Drake. Do I get credit if he, you know, absolutely, if he lands in Baltimore? I did not predict did he, he would go to he Baltimore. Did. He, did. He, did. he did. Yep. All right. So this week's assignment: three must-have players. My first guy is was already taken uh, by Jared Dallas Goddard. <laughs> I got to talk about him one more time. Right? I got one more chance before he <laughs> oh, starts, no. to, starts to smash this season. But, uh, I mean, to me, it starts with his talent. Like, I think he's still underrated, and I think he's one of the best pass-catching pass Titans in the league. The, the, you know, advanced metrics back that up. PFF had him third in their receiving grade among tight ends last year behind only George Kittle and Mark Andrews. Goddard second in yards per route run last year behind only George Kittle. So I, you know, I think he is one of the you know five best pass catching tight ends in the league. Zach Ertz finally out of the way. We, we waited for it for a few years. And Goddard was the tight end five in fantasy after that Zach Ertz trade last season. And that was despite the Eagles being you know one of the run heaviest teams in the NFL. They finished dead last in pass attempts last year. So I think that's the concern for people is you know what happens to Goddard's volume now that A.J. Brown is there. I think Philly's just going to pass enough that it's probably going to be about a wash where, you know, A.J. Brown steals some target share, but the Eagles pass more in general. And I think you're going to, you know, we, we actually have Goddard projected for more targets per game this year than he got last year. Um, so to me, Goddard, I think he's going to score in the same range as George Kittle, who is going, you know, two, three, sometimes four rounds earlier. So I'm taking that discount. I think Goddard's going to outscore Dalton Schultz. I think he's going to outscore T.J. Hawkinson. I, I think he's, you know, the, the best value at tight end. Real interesting strategy play in these drafts is Goddard, especially in FFPC with the point and a half, because it really has just the way it's fallen. The tight ends everybody wants are going in the back half of of the grid. Yes. Um, so with Goddard, like if you're picking early, Goddard or anybody, who do you get? We've talked about this before. Like you can't, you don't want to get to Kelsey that early. Round two, the guys are usually gone, and so on. So I have seen it really messed with my draft on Monday night, mm-hmm. Matt, like mm-hmm. Goddard going early five or late four on that left side of the board, mm-hmm. uh, because I thought, you know, usually that would be pretty safe on the right side of the board where I was. It didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm OK with with reaching in earlier in round five in those FFPC drafts to get Dallas Goddard, because of all the reasons that Jared said, and I think that Dalton Schultz last year is kind of the template. So if if Philly stays dramatically run heavy, then, yeah, he might be 
in trouble. But if they stay dramatically run heavy, then they had a pretty stupid offseason because they just spent a whole lot to get A.J. Brown. So I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more. And if it's, you know, if you can get to 16 or 17 percent target share and that equals a lot more targets than 21 percent would have been in last year's offense, then great. That's what we're looking for. And so, by the way, in FFPC scoring, which is, you know, of course, 1.5 PPR for tight ends. We only have 16 wide receivers projected for more fantasy points than Dallas Goddard. So mm. if you if you trust these projections, and I think you should, um, you know I, he's I think he's well worth a pick in the early fifth round. Mm. So me too. Um, Kareem Hunt, you and I in pros versus Joes, like the must have, right? We've talked about <laughs> what that really means to us. Right. This is the guy for me where I do that. I gotta have Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. You, you know we were up in whatever round that was. More than a month ago Nine, now, probably somewhere. Like, yeah. come on, let me have Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I just what what goes wrong here? Of course, an injury or something you can't predict. But what what goes wrong here for a guy with that floor on that team? Is it the quarterback situation? I don't know. Like they weren't getting good quarterback play before. Everybody loves the Browns up front. I mean, the schedule early on is pretty easy. That's nice. Talking about managed leagues where you might have to move around a little bit. Um, I'm playing for running backs in that zone. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he is a favorite. So I'm getting him just time after time. And, you know, I, I don't mind reaching for, for him either. You have other guys there that can be appealing. But um, what's the argument against him? Well, I don't know what the argument is against. I mean, you can make arguments against all those kind of range or running backs, but the argument for him is that he's like a cheaper t- Tony Pollard or a cheap, like he's going to get that standalone v- value. Absolutely. And if Chubb go- goes down, he's going to be a top, seven running backs. So I think you just put him in that range um, in a, in a, if you go heavy RB early, you're probably not going to start him. But if you go heavy RB early, you're probably not drafting him. Right. So you're going him in like a yeah. zero hero RB build uh, with weekly upside. Um, yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's, he's great. And I don't think he's, I mean, he's not going to get traded at this point. Right. I mean, that was, that was kind of, that was kind of, that's, that's kind of past, I think, although there still is time, I guess, but um, that, that would have been nice because there's always that upside to it. They trade him somewhere where he becomes uh, a bigger f- focal point weekly, but yeah, he's also very talented. And so. there is no goes wrong for him, I don't think. He's going mm-hmm. deep in RB3 territory, right. so if he gets hurt, in week one, if he gets hurt, you lost what? A running back that you took at the bottom of RB3 territory in round seven or eight. If that's killing your season, then you were lying to yourself about how your season would have gone otherwise. The other thing that I've liked about Kareem Hunt throughout draft season is that like every possible path for the Browns carries upside for him. If Deshaun Watson, when Deshaun Watson is around, maybe they throw the ball more. Great. The offense should be more efficient, more scoring opportunities for everybody. Deshaun Watson's out. Great then they're going to have to lean on the backfield more, run the ball more. That's going to be more work for Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt gets traded. Great. That means another team really wants Kareem Hunt and probably gives him more touches than the Browns have available with Nick Chubb around. Nick Chubb, you know, stays healthy all season. Okay, that's not the optimal, but we have st- we've seen that Kareem Hunt will be significantly involved, like probably more so than Tony Pollard in Dallas, even with a healthy Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb goes down, then we get the Kareem Hunt ceiling in Cleveland. So it's just like there's no path that's like, I hope that that one thing doesn't happen from where he's going. Yeah, there were five games last year that Chubb and Hunt were healthy together. Uh, Hunt averaged 11 carries and 4.2 targets per game in those five games. Like that, That's startable as an RB3 yeah, in the flex, right? That's, right? that's startable, then you have the RB1 upside if something happens to Chubb. The league is getting smarter on running backs every year. Uh, I, I've never really thought. I mean, you, nobody's predicting a hunt trade per se, but 
Like, what were the odds? To me, that was almost no part of the analysis at, at any point. And here we are, like, after cutdown day, and you're seeing, you know, leading up to cutdown day, oh, Minnesota is taking calls on Alexander Madison. Oh, Buffalo is taking calls on <laughs> Zach Moss and these things. Like, those things did not happen. The, the Ravens sat there, their guys hurt, and they went out and signed a guy who was ninth in the league and rushing two years ago, mm-hmm. like, just for free. Mm-hmm. So um, I think – Fantasy guy, fantasy players are getting sharper. NFL teams, I think, are getting sharper. Doesn't mean a trade couldn't happen, but I can't. I can't imagine a team trading anything of consequence for a running back and liking it uh, sure. for them, even a guy this good. Yep. So Kareem Hunt, pretty much a must-have for me. Yeah, and Rondale Moore is almost as almost as important to me. Just love um, all of it. Just the, a wide receiver the, you can stick in your pocket. The, 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 <laughs> it's the, so small. The prospect, the quarterback, the opportunity with Hopkins out to start the season, the price. Um, I have lots of Rondale Moore, Adam. Yeah, he's great early on in the season. You, you can pair him up with guys like, um, you know, Jameson Williams. You know, maybe get him in the first half. Jameson Williams maybe pops through in the second half. The only thing about him is Hopkins coming back for me. I generally like to draft more for like, hey, at the end of the year, I want to be, I want to be cooking. Um, whereas if Hopkins comes back and he's fine and Marquise Brown's healthy, I think he struggles to really have a role weeks 14, 15, 16. But uh, you can certainly use him early. Early on, I think. I mean, if they if they, if they can use him correctly, it's just Marquise Brown and him, <laughs> and Zach Ertz a little bit in the passing game, and of course J. J. James Conner with some checkdowns <laughs> and stuff. But I think he could have some big games if they use him correctly. They got to get him more down the field. His eight out last year was was horrible, it was like less than a yard, less than a yard, wasn't it? But listen, if you want to hand him the ball, fine, like whatever. But you you, you got to get the ball in in his hands. The, you know if they I mean? can use him correctly, is my sticking point, and I yeah. don't believe that Cliff Kingsbury will use him correctly because look at last year, they didn't. I, I for me, Rondell. Moore's fine where he's going. I just I don't think there's anything big ahead of him because of how much is there, and because I I simply don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury optimizing what he has so far. He is saying all the right things. He has been saying all the right things, Jared, this summer about Rondale Moore. We just have to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know Moore is small, but I you know I, I don't think he's a gadget guy where he has to be you know used the right way. I think he can play more just traditional slot receiver and win that way. So I, I'm less concerned about Kingsbury's you know inability to use him the right way. Mm-hmm. I think he he can succeed kind of however, however he's used as long as he you know, again doesn't have the 1.2 yard eight out or whatever it was. All right, a couple more. Uh, we've heard a lot about Evan Ingram. I think I have this summer from Matt, <laughs> but he's on Adam's list today. Yeah, you know, I, I I was kind of sick of talking about Kyle Pitts as much, much as I love him, <laughs> but I so I had to put a tight end on this list. But Evan Ingram's a guy where you know we talked about if we miss out on these tight ends early and we miss out on let's say you pass on the elite ones like all right I'm gonna go get Dallas Goddard and then Dallas Goddard goes like oh now now what do I do? Evan Ingram's the guy that you can that you can get kind of anywhere you want in that in that range and he's a guy that you can grab earlier than 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 ADP. You know he's d- down in Jacksonville. Head coach Doug Peterson history with 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 tight ends. That, that's kind of the big reason why he he probably signed there, and a big reason why they wanted him. I think he's still very talented. Had a great rookie year for for the Giants. Been injured since. Terrible or, or organization, but only twenty eight years old. Very very skilled. Um, as long as he can he can stay healthy, um, I think he'll be okay. And the the, the drumbeat there out of camp is that the offense is going to not run through him, but he's going to be very. A part of the focal point of the offense there. I mean, Christian Kirk, okay, fine. You know, Zay Jones, eh. You know, ETN, okay. But like Evan Ingram uh, could certainly be. He could even be number two on the team in targets, which would be, which you're you're crushing ADP because you're probably taking him at like tight end sixteen or so. 
Can they be efficient enough? They should be losing enough. Can they be efficient enough to make that work again at that price? What are you worried about? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Brevin Jordan, by the way, not on our list, but somebody who's moved up in that sort of area right next to Ingram on the Mojo list. Which I would never. I mean, Evan Ingram way higher to me yeah. than, than Brevin Jordan. Yeah, the Jordan, not, not to get off topic with Jordan, but I know people like his preseason usage, but Farrah Brown didn't play in the preseason. That's kind of my concern. And, you know, Lovey Smith called Brown his, his you know, quote unquote starting tight end a few weeks ago. I, I just think he might eat into Brevin Jordan's workload a bit more than what we saw in the preseason. But yeah, Ingram is my plan in these drafts if I miss out on the elite guys plus Dallas Goddard. I'm, yeah. I'm you're just going to wait for Ingram at that point. Jalen Warren, I love mm. how <laughs> far immersed we all are in in this. And even like right almost to the very front of the regular season, guys' names come up and you go, who is that? Like that, for me anyway, I don't know about you guys, I guess, but for me, Jalen Warren this week was a, okay, what is going on here? And I think the next day after I heard that he was going to be the likely number two running back on the Steelers, undrafted free agent, played at Utah State, then Oklahoma State. The next day, Najee Harris is talking about a Liz Frank injury. <laughs> yeah. You know, with all the volume he got, I mean, everybody seems to expect the Steelers' offense to look fundamentally different. But, you know, what, round 20? Uh, Jalen Warren, for all the volume that Harris got last year, why not? A lot of guys like that get picked earlier than this guy. who's was, you know, until like a couple days ago, wasn't getting picked ever. Mm-hmm. And of course, probably the biggest mark working in his favor is that Benny Snell stinks. Yes. I mean, he started mm-hmm. out he started out a meh prospect, and he's gotten worse the past <laughs> couple of years, and yet he's still the holdover. They even dumped Anthony McFarland at the cutdown line this year, so it looks like the path is there. And yeah, he's the kind of guy that you stash at the end of a best ball draft or the end of a lineup setting draft if you can have the patience to to sit on him for a while. But you know, one of those guys that probably. Most of the people listening right now or doing home league drafts over the next few days are not even aware of at this point. And then when they pop up, if Najee Harris does go down, people are going to be like, oh, crap, I got to get this guy off. Wait, wait a second. Mike's already got him on his <laughs> roster. How the hell did he know this? Gone. Elijah Mitchell last year was a little bit like that. We're yeah. like, right. I, different circumstances. But right up until the, the drafts, like, OK, is they already drafted Trey Sermon. Why would. Oh, and that happened with with Guilds in a main event I was yeah. in where he had drafted Elijah Mitchell when everybody else was talking about whether to spend all your fab money yeah. on him. Well, Jalen Warren's interesting, too, because he is a hand if he is the number two, he's a handcuff running back where if the one goes down, he's going to get all of the touches because that's just what they do. Like that's those are the type of running backs that you want. Now, they probably won't use the running back as much if if Najee goes down, but they're a team. Um, that uses their running back in that workhorse role, whether they're a good running back or a bad running back. That's who you're going to use. So if Jalen Warren has that upside in him, uh, you know he's at he's a must have for for handcuffs. Five eight two fifteen. No idea if he could handle it, but yeah. he might get a look at it if things break right. Sure. I got to be honest. I saw this list and I thought that was Jalen Waddle. <laughs> I was like Jalen right. Warren. <laughs> right. I feel like I've already misspoken once up, up and, and done that. I don't know if I have, but Jalen Warren. That's right. That's the name on the screen. If you're watching, that's, that's what we're right. talking about. Uh, one more, which um, in Matt's way is two. Like that's we've had this that's kind right. of thing come yeah, up before. Right. Matt, we get three names. Matt gets four. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Superflex quarterback strategy. 
Yeah, and I, I like to sneak picks like this in when we're talking about mostly players that apply to everybody's leagues. And I tend to do this when we do our, uh, what is it, Ask the Experts right before yeah. the regular season. I always include an IDP guy. And I always get a commenter saying, hey, idiot, I don't play IDPs. How about you give me another offensive guy? I'm like, dude, there are three <laughs> other people doing this. How about if you give me the one defensive player? There's an entire player? website with guys that you like that you can go check out. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> so anyway, Superflex, a lot more of it this year. I've been drafting a lot more of it. And I want to talk about these guys, but Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, they're just not got to have them guys in a one quarterback league because normally I'm just going to draft a quarterback. I might not draft a second at all, especially if we're talking home league level. So they're guys that I like very much that often don't have a spot in one quarterback leagues. But if you're playing super flex, these two are, I think are, should be part of your heading into the draft strategy. And that's because both of them are going well beyond where their upside sits. They're to their quarterback 17 and 18 in ADP right now. I don't think that there is anything realistically separating them in terms of production potential from uh, Derek Carr, from Kirk Cousins, from the other guys going right around the bottom of the top 12. I like the ultimate ceiling on both of these guys over Aaron Rodgers this year, and maybe that'll look stupid by the time we get to December. But, you know, just right now, both of these guys, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, have the rushing ability. Um, especially Justin Fields, it'll be very important for him because we don't like the the guys around him. Trevor Lawrence, though, has lots of talent around him all of a sudden, plus a much better coach who was already part of turning Carson Wentz into a thing before Carson Wentz turned himself away from being a thing. So they're both set up, you know, Trevor Lawrence in terms of situation and talent, Justin Fields in terms of talent to at least give us spike weeks. And so if we're building a super flex roster, I want to get one quarterback early within the first two rounds. Then I can wait a little bit, grab an elite running back or an elite wide receiver, maybe both depending on where we're talking about, get one of these guys as opposed to feeling like I need to double up on quarterback in those first two rounds. And then it's just a matter of sitting back and watching what happens with these two. Cause I, you know, they're not locks. But I'm excited to see if they deliver on their upside in fantasy this year. Love it. I've done a lot of that with Fields. More Some Lawrence, too. But um, got excited listening to you guys talk on Monday about Fields in the last preseason game. 14 for 16. And yeah. Nice numbers. I will, admit, I will admit, for a little while there, I was less on Fields and more on Lawrence. And then we had that final preseason game. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta make sure that I'm getting some more Justin Fields just in case this year is what I envisioned when he entered the league. Yeah, Fields is the guy that has the chance to finish like top eight, right? Because of that rushing ability. Right. Like, I love yep. Lawrence. I think he's even safer than Fields just because of the you know supporting cast around him. But Fields is the guy who you know could really be a smash for, for where he's going in drafts. Any thoughts on him in Dynasty with the uncertainty around the Bears? I mean, love if... Him. You do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the price is part of that, but exactly. like you, you um, might wonder where they'll end up after this year if they're really bad and he could look, okay. he could look like maybe not the reason for that, but then they're in a spot. If it's a quarterback rich draft and they pick in the top five. Yeah. I mean, get, you know, guys with fields is, you know, prospect profile and the draft capital he got, like he's going to get two, three, four chances to you know be a success in the NFL, even if it's not in Chicago. Good. I guess it's sort of the same argument could be made about Lawrence. Just one of the all-time great prospects, yep. one overall. I can't imagine they'd be done with him, even if this year goes badly. Yep. Um, He's going to we'll have see. to screw up for several years. But yeah, I mean, Justin Fields. So like, what's the difference between him and Trey Lance? Justin Fields entered the league with a much more proven background of production, much higher level in college, was a more accurate passer, you know, even just even beyond the 
the basic metrics, they both landed in much different situations. And Dynasty balances that out. Right now, it looks ugly in Chicago. If it still looks this ugly a year or two from now, then it's going to be a new coaching staff again. So I, I think unless Justin Fields unravels, which it doesn't look like he's on the verge of doing. He's at least showed us enough that he remains promising on his own. So I'm going to ignore his situation for now, whereas the market is definitely factoring that in and pushing his price down. So that's why, all told, I love Justin Fields for Dynasty because a year from now it could be like, why did I worry about the situation instead of just grabbing those 900 rushing yards when they're mm -hmm. waiting? Really good. All right. Uh, so that's about all the time we have today. Good Good talk. Tomorrow night, get your rest. Another right. potathon tomorrow night, uh, Adam. At yeah. The deep end it's, and draft sharks. Yeah, do a napathon in the afternoon. A napathon, napathon, napathon sounds good. At least I don't have to go to Kentucky the <laughs> next day. I can <laughs> I can sleep until six thirty in the morning. So. I have a drive a thon coming up uh, <laughs> right after we, we, we wrap up here. But that's um, we'll be on seven thirty, nine and ten thirty drafts tomorrow night, three in a row in the best ball tournament at FFPC. Yep. And so that should be fun. Yeah, everyone hop in. I, I think our leagues are filled, but, you know, feel free to jump. There's leagues. I think those pop off like every hour. I mean, you can yeah. draft. You can listen to us and draft and other drafts, too. And we're going to have a bu bunch of guests on, and we'll post that today. Um, and it's going to be a really good time. We're, we're going to learn a lot and try to win. I don't know. How much is it? 200K. 200K. And $25 off the entry fee now. That's right. right. $25 off the oh, entry fee. So Read the shark bites, oh, baby. No. So what is that? Is that buy four, get one, buy five, get one free? Is, yes. that, is that what that is? Sure. Oh, wow. What a Do you deal. have time for that at this point? I mean, <laughs> no, I am on fumes. No. I just. In fact, in fact, a little, I will also be drafting a main event tomorrow <laughs> while drafting of one will. of these. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's the life of the I have a draft, draft tomorrow guy. night too, and I haven't figured out what to do about it. Draft it online. What do you mean? We're going to talk about it. We're going to. I mean, what a, what a life for AK Slickster, <laughs> drafting main events and best ball tournaments. We'll be on that thing tomorrow night, each drafting in it while doing a different draft on your phone. Yes, right? that's right. I don't know if I'm dog enough for that. What but a night. Kyler we'll Murray see. will be watching. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you, everybody. For Matt, Jared, and Adam, I'm Mike. See you next time.